This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What's up, everybody? It's me. Yes, Jason McIntyre on a Friday morning, November 6th. Straight Fire. Love a good Friday show. Get me fired up for the weekend. We have a phenomenal best bet at the end of the podcast because the Niners did not come through or even close. I anteed up. I picked four games at the end of the podcast. You'll have to wait for that. Before that, we have a great guest, Robert Smith, the former Ohio State running back, former NFL Pro Bowl running back. He's now an analyst for Fox Sports. Good guy, smart guy. We'll do more college football on this podcast than anyone yet since uh, back in August when when, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they were all slugging it out um, to see who would play. So Robert Smith, great stuff. Uh, Big games this weekend. You guys know that Clemson-Notre Dame is huge. Big game in the SEC as well. And um, Indiana-Michigan, quietly a big game. Let's start with Thursday night football. Not much to say, right? Packers steamroll Nick Mullins and Mr. Kyle Shanahan. It was never close. Uh, I don't know that I need to spend more than 45 seconds on this game. Uh, I know. I'll keep it real with you guys. I'm always honest. Um, I was mostly checked out after the first quarter when... The 49ers drop a touchdown. Uh, Nick Mullins throws an unforgivable interception that was just ugh. And then the real painkiller was, was the lack of touches for Jamichael Hasty, who I started in fantasy thinking, oh, everybody's hurt. Hasty will get the touches. He'll keep it on the ground. No. Jerick McKinnon, who's always hurt except last night, got the touches, got, got more receptions, and Hasty was a big goose egg. And this is a big game for me in fantasy, so I'm really ticked off about that. I'm not going to let it kill my buzz. It's Friday. We're feeling good. And since we're not going to talk about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I mean, Devontae Adams was just ridiculous. Rodgers' touch on all those passes to him is phenomenal. Um, Aaron Jones looked good coming back from injury. The defense was just bulldozing that beat-up 49ers offensive line. It it was ugly. Listen, the Packers are going to win the division. It was a bad call by me. I didn't think they'd be able to pull it off. They get the Jags next. Then they get the Colts, the Bears. I mean, listen, this is a 10 or 11 win team. As long as Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they'll be fine. Let's move on to what I think is a bigger story. And you guys know I love to be ahead of the curve. Um, Earlier this week, we had, you know, if the 49ers move on from Jimmy G, why not Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, uh, Kirk Cousins? You know, we were early on that, and that became a story everywhere. That was the big talking point uh, at a lot of the networks this week. I believe the next big story, and we will touch on this with Robert Smith later, um, is Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. This is a guy who I thought would be awesome at Michigan. I thought he'd win a national championship, certainly get to the playoff. Great coach. Um, Hasn't really panned out for Jim Harbaugh. And he has as big of a circle the wagons game as he's had in his Michigan career. And listen, it's tough to call this a successful run for Harbaugh at Michigan. He's a very polarizing figure. You either love or you really don't like Jim Harbaugh. Um, Listen, the guy won 10 games his first year. He won 10 his second. Then they dipped back to 8-5, and 10-3, 9-4. So ordinarily, you cover the name Michigan. You just look at the records. All right, he's doing great. Problem is there are expectations. And he's always running his gums and jaw-jacking about how great they are. He has not had a top five finish yet at Michigan. One top 10 finish. That was in the second year. Um, 
by and large, I mean, he's he has not met expectations. That's safe to say. I don't want to say he's been a failure. He has not beaten Ohio State. Obviously, <laughs> you can't be a success if you can't beat your rival once. Um, and then last week against Sparty, they lost as huge favorites, outright losers. And all of a sudden, the pressure's on. And folks, he plays Indiana this weekend. Indiana's not a bad team. Indiana already has one good win over Penn State. If Harbaugh does not beat Indiana, we are going to be talking about where is he going to be coaching next year in the NFL. Because I don't think he surfaces anywhere else at college. Where's he going to go? The guy's a Michigan grad. He's not, you know, because listen, after Indiana, they got Wisconsin. And Wisconsin will not have played a game in a while because of their COVID. They'll have to skip two games. But Wisconsin will have that quarterback back. And that's a Wisconsin team that's pretty damn good. And folks, I'm telling you right now, if Jim Harbaugh loses to Indiana, it becomes DEFCON 1 in Ann Arbor. Now, I don't know that they'll fire Jim Harbaugh, but I think they will make it like, hey, bro, this ain't working out. You're great at recruiting. We love you in the community. You're a good guy. We need to move on. And I personally don't think this is a smart move for Michigan. If he would just be quiet and not run his mouth all the time, he's doing good. Obviously, you got, obviously you got to beat Michigan State, and uh, you got to beat Ohio State. Those are mandatory. You got to win those, and he really hasn't. Um, so then it becomes okay. Well, where does he go in the NFL? And right off the bat, you know my New York Jets, Woody Johnson, the buffoonish owner uh, of the Jets, huge Jim Harbaugh fan. Interviewed him about a decade ago. I believe that was um, either when they were moving on from Rex Ryan or two coaches after that. I, I forget, but uh, they like Jim Harbaugh. And the Jets are going to be in the market for a coach. And you know Jim Harbaugh will be like, oh, you guys got Trevor Lawrence? Well, shit, yeah, I'm there. I mean, who doesn't want to coach Trevor Lawrence? You have a great chance to have major success. Now, Harbaugh, the kind of guy that he reminds me of, he's got that blue-collar, um, you know, sensibility about him. He's a tough guy. He is a, uh, he's a scrapper. Jim Harbaugh is, and I know that there's all these, you know, the white guy analogy, uh, what is it, the white guy comparisons where he's like a scrappy point guard, he's deceptively quick. I don't know, Jim Harbaugh has that Midwest ethos. I know he's a guy from uh, Palo Alto, um, but this guy was a quarterback for the Bears, played for the Colts, had found some success there, a Michigan man, that tough, can win in November and December mentality. A gamer, if you will. And I know these are all the cheesy adjectives, but they, sorry, they apply. It's not like Harbaugh was some, you know, blue chip quarterback heading into the NFL. Um, and I think, I just don't know if that fits the Jets. It could, um, but some of the other options is Cincinnati Bengals. Now, it's in the state of Ohio. Instantly, people are going to laugh that off. But um, I think Joe Burrow is going to probably be getting a new head coach. If they're smart, they will say, Joe Burrow, what offense do you want to run? We will tailor that to you. We're just going to find a head coach to get everybody else on the same page because uh, Burrow looks really good. Uh, the Jags will obviously be in the market for a new head coach. They don't have a quarterback. I don't think that's an enviable situation there. I I mean, Harbaugh would be destitute to bounce from Michigan to Jacksonville. Um, the Chargers, probably going to be in play. We know that they're going to need to fill that new stadium next year, assuming you can have fans in the NFL in 2021. Um, they have a quarterback in Herbert. Um I think that's a pretty attractive job. That's a really good roster. Harbaugh did play for the Chargers. Um, 
at the end of his career. He was like 36 or 37. Uh, so I think the Chargers make a lot of sense. Um, I think it's unlikely McCarthy gets fired in Dallas. But, you know, Jerry Jones likes a star. And um, I, I think he probably would make a run or at least have conversations with Harbaugh. Uh, those are two big, big egos. Oh, my gosh. Probably both of them can't even fit in Jerry world. Uh, and that would obviously lead to some major clashes. But, again, I don't think McCarthy's getting bounced after one year. The Bears is interesting. Okay, Harbaugh drafted by the Bears. Nagy, probably going to get dusted. Now, here's the monkey wrench. They could make the playoffs. And if you look at the schedule, it kind of lines up. Uh, I think the odds are right now that the Bears will be in the playoffs. So can you fire Nagy if they make the playoffs? Yeah, you could. Um, they probably will get their butts kicked in the first first game of the playoffs. But you never know. Uh, I personally don't think much of Nagy. But then again, what's going to happen with the GM? Do they both get canned? Um Interesting situation to watch. Detroit Lions, one of the worst franchises in the NFL over the last 50 years. Um, They have Stafford. Uh, Patricia has been a colossal failure. Um, I think Harbaugh could fit there. It is still in uh, the state of Michigan. Maybe a little too weird going from Ann Arbor to Detroit. It probably would not work. Um, It's like, Almost a downgrade. The Michigan Wolverines are a much bigger deal than the Detroit Lions. Um, I don't know that that would work. And the other team that's going to be in the market for a coach is uh, Atlanta. Matty Ice. Eh, I I don't know if Harbaugh would work down there. So given my thought is that, you know, a Midwest spot really works for Harbaugh, but he's already at Michigan. If you cross off Detroit, you cross off Atlanta because they're not in the Midwest. I think the Bears make sense there. But I will not rule out the Jets. Personally, I would rather have a major offensive young guy in there the way McVay has been transformative. I like what Stefanski's done uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Get me a young offense. I like Joe Brady. If you go back and listen a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, to Bruce Feldman really gushing about Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers OC. Probably too young to get a head coaching job, but I would certainly kick the tires there. I think we're looking at the L.A. Chargers making a serious run at a name. Justin Herbert is going to be the face of that franchise, but he's not one of these uh, super popular players from a personality standpoint, you know? You're not going to see him uh, as like the guy who's in a million commercials. Not that you necessarily want that, but Herbert is a quiet guy, you know? He's not a Tom Brady. He's not going to stand at the podium and win you over the way Peyton and Brady did. That's just not him. That's not in his DNA, it doesn't appear. So when you can't get that out of your quarterback, maybe you want it out of your coach. Um, And again, Chargers, kind of a desperate franchise. If you're in the LA market and you don't really have much market share, when the Dodgers won a World Series, when the Lakers have LeBron and won the NBA title, when the Rams are a bigger deal and went to a Super Bowl recently, I think if you're the Chargers, you make a run at Jim Harbaugh. I really think you do. He's an L, not an L.A. guy, California guy. Jim Harbaugh, Justin Herbert. I mean, we know the the knock Herbert, uh, sorry, the knock Harbaugh is. I never had a quarterback at Michigan. And I know he wanted to go to Shea Patterson. He got him, and Patterson never delivered. Um, Justin Herbert is a, uh, is a big-time quarterback. He looks like a stud in the NFL. I think if you're Harbaugh, you take that Chargers job and you run with Justin Herbert and you make something happen. I think that's probably the best fit for Jim Harbaugh. All right, without further ado, let's bring in Robert Smith, the great college football analyst for Fox Sports. 
You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire a great college football an analyst, former NFL player, former Ohio State Buckeye legend, Robert Smith. Robert, how are you, man? Good, Jason. What's going on, man? You know, I'm just uh, I'm trying to get my arms around this college football season. And it's it's a challenge, Robert. It's so tough. They're great games this weekend. And the COVID situation, I just saw, as we record this on Thursday, I just saw that the Pac-12 has canceled a game. And oh. you, you were supposed to call a game last weekend. Much anticipated Wisconsin-Nebraska. That was a victim of COVID. How are you handling, you know, the chaos around the schedule and the COVID and the travel? How, how are you handling all that? Well, you know, you, you just you control the things that you can control. Uh, and that's really your attitude to what happens. You can't really control what happens. Um, you know, the first game of the year, I was supposed to, this is all the way back on September 12th. I was supposed to call Arkansas State at Kansas State. Mm. Uh, but Louisiana Tech, I believe it was Louisiana Tech at Baylor got canceled. And so uh, we got bumped off of our game to make room, room for Joel and Gus. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, go, all the, going all the way back to then uh, was impacted by COVID. But, you know, the, there are obviously people around the country that have lost loved ones, that uh, have been sick themselves. Uh, they're going through a lot more uh, than somebody just calling the game. So I try and think about it in those terms. And, you know, these players have to deal with – uh, the testing protocols and trying to uh, stay, um, you know, stay away from uh, individuals that haven't been getting tested as much as they can. So it's been difficult, but it's been challenging for everybody this year. Certainly. Now, you have Baylor, Iowa State this weekend uh, for Fox. And I'm, I'm just curious, what's this? How, how does that work? I know the tra- I haven't traveled myself uh, since COVID hit in America, but um, I assume you've done a lot of that. How are you handling like having to go to a certain hotel room and what, what you can't go out on the road like you used to uh, with the crew for a, for a bite or a drink. Yeah. Uh, just, I guess, take me through what that's like. Yeah. And it, it, it hasn't been that bad. I mean, the okay. travel to the location, you know, at the airport, it's obviously a little bit different with everybody or most people wearing the masks. Um, but then when you get to the location, uh, they don't want you taking Ubers uh, or Lyfts. Uh, or or taxis. They want you getting your own rental car. They don't want you riding with other uh, analysts or announcers. Uh, when we get to the hotel, uh, you know, the hotels themselves have protocols in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'll get to the room and the uh, the controller, which was never the cleanest thing in the world, uh, you know, now is, uh, you know, is, it's, it's all uh, zipped up in a bag and everything like that. And, uh, you know, there's like the tape on the door, basically a seal saying that, hey, this room's been cleaned or this room hasn't been cleaned. Um, but you're right. Like, uh, as far as the the, uh, the announced team, we won't go out uh, in the city. We'll have uh, food brought in for us. Uh, you know, we'll be in, a, in, in a, a meeting, production meeting, socially distanced. Uh, you know, maybe not even some, some, some of the times uh, haven't even been in the same room. So uh, it's definitely changed a lot. And what about meeting with the coaches? Uh, is that all done via Zoom, or is there any FaceTime at all? Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's it's funny. You're kind of mixing up the terms there. At least it, <laughs> that's kind of where my mind goes. <laughs> FaceTime. Oh, you, you know what I <laughs> – no, Good catch. 
that's the only video service. No, but um, <laughs> we've had, I think one, we had one in-person meeting okay. when we up at Boise with uh, Coach Harson uh, and, and his staff. Um, but other than that, everything's been by Zoom. Um, and I think it's going to be that it's going to be that way uh, this week again. And I called the Vikings uh, at the Colts back in Ooh. September, and everything was by Zoom then as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I just know that FaceTime, and again, not FaceTime on the iPhone, but in person <laughs> hangouts. There's so much value there, you know, just shooting the breeze and 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 chatting, and it, that law lo- that's lost. I mean, it it stinks. But uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, let's move on to you know, as a former Big Ten legend, I got to ask you the biggest mm-hmm. game on the slate this weekend. Jim Harbaugh, can I call him embattled? I don't know if I can, but he travels to Indiana. Um, I don't know if it's a Jim Harbaugh's last stand, but I don't, Robert, that loss to Michigan State was stunning. I got to ask you do, you, do you think we see Jim Harbaugh coaching in the NFL next year? Or, I mean, this feels like a must win. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's a must win. And, you know, going back to your point about, you know, what it's like, how, how important is it to be face-to-face for those meetings? Well, how important do you think it is for a new group of players to be face-to-face with their coaches, mm-hmm. to not have spring ball, to deal with the uncertainty of the testing and you know maybe family members that they're concerned about that, that may have contracted the disease? I mean, there are so many things going on. And honestly, you know, the way that the NCAA is approaching it is the way that I think that University of Michigan will approach this, even with now a 3-3 three and three record against Michigan State. Uh, and an 0-5 record against Ohio State, I still think that uh, it, it. And even if he loses to Indiana this weekend, which it, which certainly is not outside of the realm of possibilities, certainly. I think that we just we've seen everybody say like this year. Let's just not count this year, okay? Let's just not count this year. Let's worry about what happens next year. And I honestly think that would be the case. And just thinking about what kind of competitor he is, uh, and and obviously being a Michigan man. I don't think the school's going to want to get rid of him, and yeah. I certainly don't think Jim Harbaugh is walking away, especially uh, if, if he doesn't beat Ohio State. Yeah. There's no chance the man is leaving Michigan with yeah. an 0-5 record against Ohio State on his own. And, and I would agree with almost all that. I guess the pushback from Michigan fans who are sick of Harbaugh would say, yeah, but Robert, every team is dealing with no yep. spring and incoming freshmen and like – Jim Harbaugh's a legend. This guy went to the NFL, went to the Super Bowl. He brought brought Stanford to relevance again. And I, I don't, again, I haven't scrutinized what his next move could be, but I got to expect, you know, my New York Jets are going to be in the market, and we know Woody Johnson <laughs> loves Harbaugh. I interviewed him about a decade ago. Harbaugh's going to have offers, but you're right. Could he walk away from Michigan without beating your Buckeyes? Can I, I hope I can say your Buckeyes, right? Oh yeah, you can you yeah, can okay. say that for sure. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> anyway, not, so that broadcast, go ahead. Team, but uh, you can say it here. And you're you're an awfully upbeat individual for somebody that's a Jets fan. It's kind of a- <laughs> listen. We're in the uh, Trevor Lawrence market right now. Now it's a full on. <laughs> hey, do we even start Sam Darnold this week against the Patriots? Uh, Bill Belichick. I don't know if I don't know how closely you monitor Bill Belichick, but he just released the injury report for the Patriots, and it's like maybe 16 starters are on the injury report. And it's like, you know, their season's probably over. Does Belichick say, hey, man, I don't want to face Trevor Lawrence. We'll let the Jets beat us. I, I mean, obviously, I'm being half half joking. But uh, since I brought up Trevor Lawrence, let me ask you about Clemson this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson-Notre Dame was going to be the game of the weekend. Now Trevor Lawrence, due to COVID, 
apparently he's not going to go. Um, I'm not going to ever say never say never, but I don't know. I'm assuming everything you've heard is Lawrence will not suit up at quarterback, right? Well, he's, he's not. And, and, you know, this is, this is something that we heard from Dabo directly. And I think it's, it's important to remember that there are different sets of rules that people are dealing with, with different conferences, but there is the minimum number of days since the positive test that a person can basically be out of quarantine, which is 10 days in the ACC mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or back with football activities. But then they have to complete this uh, cardiac evaluation. And that's what Dabo uh, Sweeney uh, mentioned specifically as the reason uh, that Trevor wouldn't be back with the team because he didn't think that – well, he did. He knew that he couldn't complete uh, that – uh, that cardiac assessment uh, post positive test in time, and I, I, I he's not going to play. There, there's just there's no way he's going to play because you can't play unless that's been done. And of course, you look at the Big Ten; it's a full 21 days yeah. for the same reason because they're building in uh, that evaluation, the cardiac evaluation, and the amount of time that they think it's just going to take a player to get back into play. Let me ask you about that. So the Big Ten has 21 days. The ACC has 10. In the NFL, we're seeing, I believe the number is five. And Matt Stafford, uh, who was around someone with COVID over the weekend, and they're saying, well, listen, if he passes the test Sunday, he can play. I I mean, again, I'm not trying to pin you down here. You're not a doctor. But how do you get your arms around so many different, um, you know, regulations when it comes to who can play and when and why? Well, I think there's a difference between a positive test and contact tracing, which means that you were near somebody uh, that uh, that that had tested positive. And of course, look at look at look at what happened uh, with Nick Saban in Alabama. He yeah. tested positive initially, and then had three negative tests, and so it was deemed to be a false positive test. So uh, there there are obviously different rules, and yeah. you know, I know uh, with Ohio State, uh, you know, the, the Ohio State team doctor actually Jim Borchers. Uh, I, I was with him at Ohio State. We were on the team at the same time. He was a, uh, a long snapper on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was a big part of the uh, committee that was formed to do the evaluation of return to play. And there was, there was a, lo- a, a lot of uh, uncertainty about what was going on with the heart of some of these uh, athletes uh, and individuals in general uh, after contracting the virus. So they wanted to kind of get their arms around that. And that's why they've set it where it is right now. But uh, you know, as we get new information, I think some of those things can be reassessed. And I know that mm-hmm. Barry Alvarez, uh, athletic director at Wisconsin, uh, was trying to champion that cause to the Big Ten, saying, look, we're finding out that the numbers are so low on the incidence of the cardiac issues that uh, we can we can kind of reevaluate that 21-day period. But that hasn't been the case yet. Yeah, and, and I'm with that. You know, if you got COVID early on, it was not good because they they were you know they just were not ready for it. And now we with the, the I guess the great example is well, it's not great, but the Clemson defensive end. I think his name's Xavier Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had to basically take a red shirt this year because he got COVID and then he got I think strep throat and he got lost like 30 pounds. I mean, it's just. It's awful, and you always want to err on the side of caution. I hope people don't take that as me saying, get them back on the field. You know, these are college kids. They're, they're not getting yeah. paid. Um, so I'm definitely on the err on the side of caution. Speaking of, um, I'm just curious, your, your thoughts. The Pac-12 was supposed to debut this weekend, Robert, and they have a game canceled. And it just seems like, given the timeline, it's going to be difficult for them to get consideration for the college football playoff. 
I, I mean, how do you, if, you if, if you're advising the committee, what are you telling them regarding games played and who's in the playoff this year? <laughs> I mean, on, honestly, like I, this is, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to make it sound like I want, you know, uh, the world turned upside down, but I kind of like the, the committee having these difficult decisions to make. And, you know, more and more, I'm kind of moving towards uh, that eight team playoff. And look, the NFL is talking about moving to a 16, 16 game playoff, you yeah. know, canceled and all the uncertainty of this year. Now I think that the bowl system uh, and those ties and the amount of money that they get from that has a great deal to do uh, with uh, the college structure. And I think the, uh, reluctance to make any changes to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to imagine a PAC 12 team this year, especially if you're looking at who the alternatives are, let's just assume, I mean, because the big 12 is kind of a mess right now. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, you're looking at some one loss teams like Oklahoma state and Kansas state, Iowa state, um, that, you know, uh, or excuse me, Iowa state has one loss inside of the concert, uh, inside the conference. They have two total losses. Um, but you're looking at the alternatives to the Pac-12. And I just don't – I don't see a scenario where without as many games – and look, we've already had the Cal-Washington game canceled. There are probably going to be more canceled. It's hard for me to imagine that, especially if Ohio State, uh, Alabama, and, say, Clemson go undefeated or even put up against a one-loss uh, Texas A&M or a one-loss uh, or even maybe even a two-loss Georgia mm -hmm. team – are you going to put one of those Pac-12 teams in, uh, especially if they only get uh, six games in? It's just it's just hard for me to see that happening. Yeah, like a six and zero Oregon versus a two-loss Georgia. You know, the SEC is obviously going to be upset about that. I don't know. I, I'm with you, man. I've been a long-time eight-team playoff guy, Robert. Uh, I, I don't think like who's going to want to go to a bowl game. Like you could be going to, I know El Paso is a bowl spot. That's like a hot spot right now. You think it's going to get any better in December and you're going to send college kids there? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, 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 it's really hard to imagine. And, you know, um, and just because uh, I think the one thing that we've learned for sure right now, just because something's on the schedule doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's yeah, a great point. Now, let me ask you though, Robert, about the playoffs. We've got teams that are highly ranked right now, partially because the big 10 and PAC 12 have been late to play. Uh, but BYU and Cincinnati, um, do I, I mean, do they have a legitimate shot here? Will they have a, a case to be made? Hey, let us in. Well, I mean, you know, the case is the case is always going to be made. And Cincinnati in particular, with the with the strength that we've seen out of some teams in the American. I mean, they stop SMU. Uh, they stop Memphis. You know, the problem for them is that they didn't have the non-conference yeah. confirmation point, if you will. And look, I mean, Liberty's undefeated still, you know, <laughs> Carolina, and Liberty's going to have a chance against Virginia Tech uh, this weekend, you know, we hope. Uh, but, you know, you look at a lot of those teams in BYU, you mentioned them, Boise State, I had a chance to call Utah State at Boise State, but Bachmeyer, uh, their quarterback uh, is, is is out, so, um, you know, the who knows what's going to happen with that. But I think that's what we're really missing this year is the non-conference opportunity for these group of five or independent teams in the case of Liberty and, uh, and BYU uh, to basically prove that they belong uh, with the power five, with a, with some sort of uh, win against one of those teams. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, my heart wants to see Cincinnati versus like an Ohio state, you know? And again, you know, 
I think we've seen it in the regular season and it's been ugly. And I think everybody just automatically thinks, well, they're not worthy of being in the playoff. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much Cincinnati you've watched, but would you like to see them get a shot? Oh, yeah, definitely. And and Luke Fickle, actually, I was at Ohio State with Luke Fickle. Uh, you know, it's funny, Mike Frabel, Luke Luke Fickle, myself. Jeez. Uh, you know, we were all at, at Ohio. And this is, I was just, I'm an old guy. So I was just leaving and those guys were coming in, but I had a chance mm. to see them as young players uh, and, and watch the way that those guys worked. You know, not a surprise that either one of them has had the success that they've had uh, in the coaching ranks. And on the defensive side of the ball, which is, is Luke's specialty, it's been great. But Desmond Ritter's been playing, you know, much better here as of late. Got off to a bit of a slow start of the season. But, you know, he's a tremendous dual threat quarterback. And, you know, they're obviously scoring a lot of points now. Uh, and, the, and and that defense has just, just been fantastic. I'd love to see them get a shot. Um, and, you know, again, uh, I, I know that, there are these bowl affiliations, but I would just, I would love to see some sort of expansion, a temporary expansion. It's just so late in the season uh, to do something like that. And maybe uh, trying to make the comparison to the NFL where you've got unlimited resources and you're dealing with grown men that do it for a living and get paid. Uh, you know, it, it, it might be an unfair comparison, but it just mm-hmm. seems like uh, there should be some way to expand the playoff. Uh, and especially in such a crazy year like this, uh, give one or maybe even two of those uh, group of five schools an opportunity. I'm with you. All right, Robert, I'll let you get out of here on this one. You know, you just mentioned Vrabel, Fickle. Obviously, going to Ohio State, you've been around a lot of successful people. Some of them have gone into coaching. I'm just curious, have you ever considered or did you at any point consider, you know what, I think I want to be a coach? No. No, <laughs> I, I know, I know too well what it is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I started, you know, I started family late, uh, always knew that I wanted to have children. Uh, and you know, for me retiring early, uh, and relatively healthy, uh, was kind of looking towards that future where I could, uh, play, uh, play with the kids at some point rather than, you know, limp around. Um, and you know, I, I knew that coaching as well, I mean, it's it, it just such a grain, uh, such a drain on the time. Uh, and, you know, for me, I just I knew that I, I didn't want to have to live that life and didn't want to have to put a family through that. Certainly, I have so much respect uh, for the coaches and, and their families that have to deal with uh, that have to deal with uh, the separation that they have uh, from their from the, from their father in yeah. those situations. That's tough. All right, Robert. Hey, well, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy calling Baylor, Iowa State this weekend, and obviously try to stay safe out there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jason. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet. Really great stuff from Robert Smith. I'm a big fan of his work as an announcer and an analyst. All right. It's time for the best bet. You know the drill. I picked the best games on the NFL card. We've had a lot of success, but lost Monday Night Football with an idiotic pick of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Lost Thursday Night Football because I thought I was in good shape getting the 49ers with a touchdown. And um, that's not good. Two straight losses, so what I'm going to do is make up for it. Okay, I'm going with four NFL picks. Three and one or four and oh, it's coming. Let's get started. Seattle Seahawks favored by three in Buffalo. 
this one I've liked all week. You know, I've bounced around on several games in and out of whether or not I, I really want to pull the trigger. And I, and I just like Seattle. I mean, all the numbers line up. Um, I'm not scared about them going east, okay? Uh, Russell Wilson, 8-1-1 one one against the spread, his last 10 to the east coast. Uh, Eastern time zone doesn't scare me. Russell Wilson is an, just an unbelievable quarterback leading the MVP race. And you can't say the same for Josh Allen. I mentioned it, I believe, earlier this week. Josh Allen dinged up his shoulder against the Raiders several weeks back. Since then, they have not covered the spread in the next four games. Last two games, Josh Allen has zero touchdown passes against the Jets and the Patriots. I think it was a huge game for them last week to beat the Patriots. AFC East supremacy. And now they get Seattle. Seattle comes across the country. Total is on the move. But we we know the Bills are going to score points. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. This Seattle defense is just hemorrhaging yards through the air. 49ers couldn't do it through the air last week. That's why I was all over Seattle. Um, Buffalo can, although I don't totally trust Allen. Jamal Adams, by the way, is back. Uh, I like the DK Metcalf versus Tredavious White matchup, but the injury report is interesting for Buffalo. Number one, keep an eye on the offensive line. Their center, Mitch Morse. Concussion. I believe it's his fifth NFL concussion. That's scary. Unclear if he's going to play. And I think that's a big one. The other one is Carlos Dunlap. Will he make his debut for Seattle? Um, We know Seattle struggled to get pressure. Um, I like the Seattle linebackers containing Josh Allen on the scrambles. Give me Seattle favored by three. Second pick. Sunday night football favorite. Give me the Bucs. I see the line at four. The way it's trending looks like it's going to be three and a half, which I'm not giving out the best number here on Friday. But... I like Tampa every which way in this game. I'm sorry. Uh, Some of the smart people I really respect like the Saints here. Um, And then a bunch of other smart guys that I know are all over Tampa Bay. And I just think that this is Tampa Bay at full strength. Godwin's back. Antonio Brown making his debut. Gronkowski starting to hit his stride here. Three straight catches with a touchdown. Remember, he missed last year. Okay? And this is a Tampa defense. Top five against the run. Top five overall defense. The secondary has been aggressive. They can be had over the top. We saw Justin Herbert beat him deep several times, and you're like, oh, well, if Justin Herbert can't, Drew Brees can't. (laughs) He doesn't throw the deep ball. He just does not. Um, They are 26th in explosive plays this year. They can't beat you with the big play. Their big play is let's dump it to Alvin Kamara in space and let him go to work. And he has been going to work. Uh, I like the Devin White matchup. Devin White's one of the best linebackers in the NFC. I really like what he's done. Um, There is a weather component here to watch. Uh, They're calling for 20, 25 mile an hour winds, which I think significantly favors the Bucs because their run defense is much better. And I just back-to-back road games for the Saints. They have not looked very good and very crisp. And now they're facing a team in the, you know, the very predictable revenge spot. Um, I like Tampa, and I kind of like them big here. So Seattle, number one, Tampa, number two. Those two I feel really good about. But after that, guys, it's a bit of a crapshoot. I'm all over the place, and I'm doing a risky one here. Uh, I'm buying a team a little bit high, although I don't know how high they can be bought given the lucky comeback last week. But I'm taking the Denver Broncos getting four points in Atlanta. This one basically boils down to Drew Locke, a guy I've been very critical of. I'm not a huge Drew Locke fan. That being said, remove the emotion from it and look at it this way, guys. Drew Locke really is able to carve up bad pass defenses. 
the Atlanta Falcons qualify. They're 29th against the pass. Any quarterback who's gone up against them has wrecked them. I mean, Nick Foles took these guys apart, okay? I firmly believe that since the Falcons don't bring pressure, Drew Locke will have time. Jerry Judy looks good. Hamler's looking good. I like Fant. Um, I think they will be able to get points. And Denver's defense, listen, it's it's not great. I know Herbert looked good against them last year in the first half. But, I'm sorry, last week in the first half. Um, I, I, I don't love this pick. I like it. Um, Atlanta as a favorite 0-4 against the spread. They're fine as dogs. Okay, you're going to think, oh, last week they looked good against Carolina. Yeah, as underdogs. And the matchup was poor for Carolina. There's just nothing very strong about this Falcons team. Denver, conversely, 5-2 and two against the spread as an underdog. You don't want to back them as favorites. They're not good as favorites. But as underdogs, yes, they make a lot of sense. I, I don't love it, but I'm taking Denver plus four as my third pick. Now, my final pick, I really, really wanted to go with the Raiders here. I had some incredible numbers on the Raiders. I really wanted to go... Um, with the Chicago Bears here, but the line's going the wrong way on me, and the Bears' offensive line, the injury report, is really hideous. So I'm going to take, goodness gracious, this is an ugly favorite, folks. I am going with, against my better judgment, the Houston Texans. Now, I got it at 6.5 this week. Let me just check the contest, because I'm seeing 7 on the board. In the contest, it's 6, uh, in the contest, it is 6.5. So I'm taking the Houston Texans at six and a half. Now, this is risky, okay? This is a divisional rematch, and the Texans uh, won the first one covered against uh, Gardner Minshew, who's terrible. Gardner Minshew is not starting here. It's someone named Jake Luton. And we talked about this game earlier in the week. Um, You know, both teams coming off a bye. Jacksonville pretty clearly is in tank mode. They want that number one pick. It's the Jets, the Giants, and Jacksonville. And if you can sit Gardner Minshew and start this Jake Lutton, Luton guy, like why aren't they starting Mike Glennon? Jake Lutton, really? Um, I am a little worried about this Houston run defense. Like, come on, a big favorite on the road? That's a recipe for disaster. Um, Houston down a couple guys due to COVID. And if this goes bigger, I think it's three guys on the COVID list. Two are pretty nice players on the defense. Um, But they don't have any nice players on the defense. Bradley Roby, I apparently will play. That's significant. But I don't see why Houston doesn't win this game and cover. it With a, a, a guy like Jake Lutton, who's never played a game, um, you have to assume he's going to see some stuff that he's not used to. Uh, and the speed will catch up with him. You've seen third-string guys come into this league and be like, whoa, remember, this was not a normal offseason. Lutton's going to come in here a little shook. I'm sorry. I'm going chalky. Three favorites. And a dog. To recap, best bets. Seattle, favored by three. Give me Tampa, favored by four. Give me Denver, getting four. And finally, some ugly chalk. The Houston Texans, favored by six and a half. Guys, it's been a great week. Uh, I think I tweeted this out, but I don't know if I mentioned it. Monday, last Monday's show was our, I think our highest or second highest rated show ever. Thank you so much for the downloads and sharing. Um, Obviously, your comments on iTunes always help. And uh, our November giveaway will be coming up uh, perhaps next week. We want to get it done before Thanksgiving. Uh, I know I'm giving you guys a lot of money for the holidays, but I want to give away a little bit more. We will see you on Monday.